0: Welcome to Getting Real with John Natale, Episode 2, The Future of Real Estate. Have you ever thought about rubbing a crystal ball and trying to guess what's going to happen in our industry over the next 5, 10, and 20 years? This episode right here is going to start to give you some clarity about what's going to happen over the next year, over the next three years, five years, 10, and 20 years in our industry. Things are changing and they are changing fast. I don't have to tell you that, you already know it and you can feel it in your bones, especially if you've been in this industry for a little bit. It'd be really hard to describe where we're going without first at least diving into a little bit about where we've been as an industry over the last 20 to 30 years and talk about what's going on right now because all of these things together are going to affect what's going to happen in the future let's take a spin back memory lane and let's go back that 30 years 40 years into the 80s and 90s when it came to being a real estate professional almost all of it was word of mouth almost all of it was your friends your family people that knew your friends and family, and there really weren't that many real estate agents for a specific area. It wasn't a super lucrative career because property values weren't that high. However, as we've gone on, there's been plenty of changes. The original thought of a brokerage was someone who had great individual success, would open a company, and then people would come work at that brokerage because they wanted the broker's help in getting Transactions, finding clients, how to close business, all the fundamentals of real estate. For a long time, brokerages took far too much from their agents. But they also offered a lot of value because it was, it was a very high cost to open up your own brokerage. You had to have a lot of your own brand, your own name, your own, you know, insight into a local community before you could open up a brokerage. And then they started franchising them. And over the eighties, nineties, popular franchises like Callable Banker, Century 21 gave rise. And those brokerages really first started the whole franchise model that allowed brokers to kind of, you know, franchise their individual office. And as you went on, individual brokers continued probably taking too much money from their agents, and that gave rise to a low-cost alternative. Now, some may not think of them as low-cost alternatives, but the two biggest that came up in the 90s, 2000s, and especially to prominence in the 2010s, were REMAX and Keller Williams. REMAX and KW, what they did was basically say, hey, we can run this franchise model, but we can do it for a lot less from our corporate side of things. And let's just get more and more agents into our model. So REMAX did it first. REMAX kind of replaced those old 50-50 brokers. And then after REMAX, Keller Williams kind of not necessarily replace them, but offered a different model where you could cap and you can make 100% of your commissions. And that's why Keller Williams exploded over the late 2000s and 2010s. And then right from that point, which we'll get into because this is present day, has been the rise of virtual brokerages. So KW and REMAX, what they kind of capitalized on was the old brokerage model. The virtual brokerages that are prominent now are capitalizing on that old franchise model. They're saying, this is too tired and too old. We can do things for cheaper and we can do things for better. And that's what's really happening in our industry today from a brokerage standpoint. And it's important to understand how all that kind of happened because it's what's leading to what's happening now and what's going to happen in the future. You see, the broker used to be everything. What brokerage you were at, you talk to somebody who's 75 years old and they'll tell you about days where they would just walk into a broker's office, say, hey... Natalie Realtors. I love John. I'm just going to walk in there and whatever agent I get, it's going to be great. But that hasn't really been the case in, I don't know, 20, 25, maybe 30 years. So the consumer has kind of changed. So the brokerage you're with does not matter nearly as much as it used to. Even as I built much of my business in the 2010s, you know, I got licensed in 2008. As I built much of my business, the brokerage I was with did not matter. Didn't matter owed iota. No one ever listed with me or sold their house or bought a house or rented a house or invested with me because of the brokerage I was at, ever. They worked with me. And that's how our industry has kind of moved these last, you know, over decade plus, is the agent became prominent. Now, what the reality is, is the agent can reach an exponential audience by themselves. You know, you used to need the support of a Remax, a KW, a Caldwell Banker, Century 21, a Corcoran, Berkshire Hathaway, name your favorite franchise. You used to need that support to reach an exponential audience. Sometimes they would invest with you into certain marketing. But as we've seen, building a personal brand is is easier than ever. Reaching an exponential audience is easier than ever. You have tremendous potential on platforms like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, X, threads, all of these platforms to reach an exponential audience without the help of anything, just by having good content. And that's going to change our industry. And that's what I'm all about and why I've pivoted my entire brokerage from being a model of, hey, come here because I can help you to, hey, come here because I know where the future is. And I also know what you need as an agent to be successful in the market of tomorrow. Because the brokerages that are franchised are going to move way too slow. The virtual brokerages that kind of now are replacing those franchise brokerages will be able to adapt. However, the problem a lot of those virtual brokerages are going to have is very simple. They're in the race to the bottom. It started with EXP kind of coming out and trying to declare war on KW, taking a good amount of KW agents when EXP really started to rise in the late 2010s before COVID, as COVID happened that virtual work from home, don't need an office, really took place and they experienced rapid growth. And when they experienced rapid growth, that gave rise to other ideas and ways to make it cheaper. And they had a great revenue share model that replaced the Keller Williams profit share model, which could be completely manipulated by a franchise owner. So the revenue share was a big win for eXp. And then that gave rise to basically every virtual brokerage after it, announcing the same revenue share program that eXp has. The problem all of these companies have, and I've shared this with you know icon teams at eXp, people that are at some of these other virtual brokerages, they are in the race to the bottom. And that is as simple as it goes. And if your whole model relies on revenue, when you're in a race to the bottom, Eventually, there's not going to be enough revenue to keep having your same revenue share. That's just simple math. If enough people now leave EXP and go to Real because Real can do it for cheaper than EXP, then your revenue starts to fall. Your revenue share starts to fall. If then people at Real look at, say, LPT Realty, which has a $5,000 cap for every agent and say, okay, they're even cheaper. And you just go on this continual race to the bottom. And that's where The future of our industry from a brokerage standpoint is going. There's going to be brokers like myself, there's gonna be high powered leaders that look out and say, how am I going to help the individual agents, especially newer agents when they get into this business on how to succeed? How am I gonna help them develop their brand? And at the same time, on the virtual side of things, it's gonna be a race to the bottom. On the franchise side of things, I think many will go out of business many of them will not be able to operate. And the reason being is so many of them operate from one thing and one thing only, the transaction. Think about if you are at a franchise brokerage. Think about your last meeting, your last annual meeting, quarterly meeting, sales meeting on Wednesday morning. There's probably some sort of push at those meetings to use a certain title company, use a certain settlement agent, if that's in your area, an attorney, mortgage, a certain mortgage company, Maybe a few mortgage companies, maybe a specific home inspector. And what these brokerages have done at all these franchises is say, hey, we're really not going to make money helping our agents because it's just too much of a race to the bottom in terms of commission. But what we will do is enter into joint ventures, have 50% of a title company, maybe even own a title company outright. Maybe have part of a mortgage bank or have a mortgage bank pay us in a marketing service agreement an mSA ten thousand fifteen thousand twenty thousand dollars a month to be our preferred lender and this has been the practice over the last ten, fifteen, twenty years, and it's worked as transaction count went up, agent count went up, and now we're we're on the extreme reverse side of that so agent count is dropping left and right, especially in terms of the active agents who are currently trying. You know, people will keep their real estate license because it's not that expensive to keep it. However, the amount of people that are actually in the business trying to get clients has dropped significantly. So the amount of transactions coming in is plummeting for many of these franchise brokerages. So their title companies aren't doing well, their mortgage companies, their those MSAs aren't paying out. And those brokerages are suffering. They're suffering greatly with what's going on right now. Some I'm sure have great owners that have prepared for this and will be just fine. But you're going to see over the next three to five years, many of them may not go under, but they're going to start consolidating. So maybe your broker you know, owned four offices in in a particular franchise. You're going to see it down to one. You're going to maybe see them get bought out by a different one. Maybe it was a REMAX franchise and now they went to EXP. Maybe they were at Keller Williams and now it gets bought out by Berkshire Hathaway. You'd, whoever in your area that is prominent. And that's going to be a big, big story over the next you know, few years to come because those brokers also are typically older in age now. If you bought a franchise in the 90s, you're probably sitting there at 70, 80 years old. And the reality is, as you get older, going through another down cycle, like we're going through right now where transactions are plummeting, I know in our area, maybe different in yours, But in our area, year to date, our transactions are lower than 2008. Now, the price points are probably triple, quadruple what they were back then. So you're able to sell less homes and still make you know, three, four times the amount per home. But the reality is the transactions are so much lower and the agent count is almost triple or or quadruple. So it almost kind of equals out. We are very much in our area in a 2008 level of difficulty to get transactions, get deals done, find clients and all that. And and many brokers that are older in age, they're not going to turn around and and stick through this. They're going to say, this is my time. Let me get my payday. Let me sell out and have either another brokerage come in and buy us and or just close up shop and retire. The virtual brokerage, when we pivot to them, and it's important to understand, the tough thing I always had with the virtual brokerage, again, is one, the race to the bottom. So you go to eXp and then real comes along. You go to real and then LPT comes along. After LPT, someone's going to do it for damn near free. They're going to say, Hey, don't even, <laughs> don't even pay us as a brokerage. That's where that industry is going. And there will always be a place for it. And it's going to swap back and forth because I'm sure they're going to change their models as the years go on to kind of try to, ca- you know, capture as many agents as possible. That's just how their models work. Great number of agents, some brand awareness. Try to get out of the agent's business, let them run their own business within their umbrella. The issue, the second issue on top of that, until it gets to that basically zero po- price point from a brokerage standpoint, it is very hard to retain talent when you are in that environment. It's that simple. It's just way too hard to retain great agents when you are sitting there as a virtual brokerage. And the reason is simple. Once you have a team, you have agents on your team, you have to split with your team and then you have to split with the virtual brokerage. Now when they get to basically zero, could that change? Absolutely. However, for right now, when you're at an EXP and you have say a 70/30 split on your team and then EXP takes another 20%, you're basically at a 50/50 split, you're right back in 1992. And that's the problem so many team leaders have in retaining talent. It's easy to recruit, it's easy to get people there. People need an industry leader and there's so many great ones running these teams. But it's that retaining talent that becomes very, very hard when you have that environment. All while this is happening, the reality is, is the personal brand from the individual agent is becoming more powerful than anything out there when it comes to independent brokers, franchise brokers, or virtual brokers. Those are all great options. That's, you know, I just gave a great rundown of of what happened, what's happening, what's going to happen. However, the reality is, and the future of real estate is in the individual agent's hand. It's always been important. Like I said in the 2010s, when I built my entire business, I never put really any marketing of the company I was with, other than what was required on everything. I had my own logo, I had my own, own everything. And now, though, the difference is that was only in my area. Now, when you go on a platform, say like TikTok or YouTube or Instagram Reels, you could put out a piece of content that could reach 7 million people within 10 minutes. And there's no rhyme or reason to why or how that happens as the algorithm of each platform. However, that exponential audience and bringing your brand somewhere is completely different than what's gone on the last 10 or 15 years, especially as I brought my individual business to prominence in my area. So now, when you can reach that exponential audience, you have more of the power. The reality is, is a personal agent's brand is worth more than a franchise brokerage. You're going to see brokers pay more than what they paid for a Remax franchise, or a Keller Williams franchise, or a Corcoran franchise, or a Caldwell Banker franchise, to individual agents to bring their business and their brand to join along the company's brand. or as many I feel will do, as many will go into business for themselves. They'll say, okay, why am I going to have a really hard time retaining talent? Why am I going to bounce from one virtual brokerage to the next to make it all seem like they're the best and then just take all my revenue share I'm making somewhere and then have none of it when I go to the next company? And then I have this endless cycle of of moving companies as it gets cheaper and cheaper on the virtual side. They're going to say, okay, if I just plant my roots, I just establish my brand here, the Opportunity to recruit, retain, and grow your world is exponential compared to where it's a constant turnover cycle when you're at another company. So many will take the plunge. And I'm here to say it's not as crazy as people think it is. You know, when I first threw around the idea in my head in about 2015, 2016 of opening my own company, the costs were exponential. The technology was expensive. The insurance was expensive. Everything was out of hand. And as someone who was just an individual agent at the time, it didn't make sense. However, as I went on and I started a team, I grew a team, and I looked at the six figures in which we were paying our former company. And I looked down and said, the cost now to have CRM, insurance, all the best stuff for my agents was nothing compared to what we were paying my former company. And that's where so many will wake up over the next three years and say, this does not make sense for me. No matter where you are, you could be at an independent brokerage, you could be at a franchise brokerage, you could be at a virtual brokerage that is super low cost. The reality is you still can't retain talent year over year, year over year, year over year, like you would if you had your own company. So many agents that have these mega personal brands will be able to do it themselves especially ones who really do do the right thing, treat people right, don't have to worry about getting sued left and right. Yes, you do need to know an attorney uh, just in case something crazy happens. However, you know if you're someone who has gotten sued 10, 15 times in the last six years, yeah, you probably should stay with a different brokerage. Probably shouldn't be on your own because you're opening yourself up to legal responsibility for all that. However, if you're not, the opportunity to be in control of everything, Is vital, especially when you're growing your personal brand. Because you're seeing it, I'm seeing it day in and day out. These franchise brokerages, and even independent brokerages to a certain degree, are starting to. Put down and shun agents' personal brands. They're saying, you know, don't put out that type of content. That doesn't shine well here. Where I'm saying the exact opposite. As someone who's a leader of a company, I'm pushing my agents to develop their personal brands, have their own logos, have their own design, have their own color scheme, do their thing. Because as a leader, that's what you have to kind of do in this business it's turning from more, the brokerage model is turning from the business of, hey, let's get as many agents as possible so we can sell it back to title companies, mortgage companies, attorneys, home inspectors, moving companies, all these ancillary businesses, to hey, let me find the people with the audience. Because those people that have an audience are unbelievably talented and they can bring their audience to our brand. And I can help those agents grow their brand. So the broker is going from this person who necessarily, you know. 30, 40 years ago, helped agents with their brand to now showing how to leverage a personal brand to agents. Help them grow their personal brand. Help them reach that exponential audience. And that's where it's a huge difference of what's happening uh, through many of my competitors in this area. Most of them are sitting back and saying, I'm not, I'm not gonna learn how to do TikTok. I'm not gonna sit on YouTube. I'm not gonna develop a podcast. I'm not going to show my agents how to invest. I'll just do it myself. They're not sitting there doing the things that I think successful brokers will do. Successful brokers will help agents develop their personal brand. And then if they want to take that brand, there's an umbrella under which they can continue growing, especially with my company. And that's going to be where brokerages go. They're going to go in several different directions, but you're gonna have virtual brokerages on a race to the bottom. Eventually, someone's gonna basically do it for free. There's just no doubt about it. With AI, with all this stuff, you are gonna have a brokerage that basically does it for free, somehow shares some of the revenue that comes into the company, will probably go public and all this, and use most of that corporate money to pay off how they're actually running the whole scheme. On the other side, many franchise brokerages are gonna go out of business. Whether they consolidate down to one office from the four or five they have now, whether they get bought out, whether they just close up shop, they're gonna go out of business. The independent brokers out there, I think are gonna start growing. I think the ones who are super successful, not up there in age so they don't understand it, but the ones who go out for business for themselves, take control, they're gonna be the ones who win because they have what no one else has, and that's flexibility. Where many of these other companies, no matter where you are, if you're trying to grow your team, grow your business, grow your life, you are under someone else's umbrella. Where when you have your own team, Your own control. You don't have to, you know, call up to corporate to maybe have a little bit of a different commission model. You don't have to call up to corporate to put out a TikTok. You don't have to call up to corporate to give home buying advice. The independent broker, in my opinion, will win day in and day out. I think agents that run a very high-level business at the virtual brokerages will win because again, the costs are going to keep coming down for them. And if they don't want the financial responsibility month in, month out, and the legal responsibility, that will be where they land. But many of the other places won't exist. It's just too hard to see it happening. Yes, they have corporate money, but they're not making very much money. You know, I saw a recent filing from from one of the quarterly earnings from one of these massive, massive companies that owns like 10 franchises. Made like 80 million dollars in commissions in the revenue. Like that's insane, insanely low. You can't run a mega corporation off that little revenue, with how much their costs are. And it's because they they entered into that low cost model, trying to battle some of these things out. And it's a losing proposition when transactions are low. The longer interest rates stay high, we're going to be in this low transaction environment. And that's just the reality of the situation. We're going to be in this environment for a while. And that's part of why I see what's going to happen, happen quicker than maybe the next 10 years. I think it'll be over the next three to five. People will start to see that the cost to own your own company, do your own thing, get away from a franchise or a virtual brokerage is immensely powerful to growing their business versus staying there cuz the for me the biggest worry was always financial responsibility taking on the overhead another thing was the legal responsibility but again if you you know I've never been sued in 15 years in selling real estate not that I won't ever be sued or someone at my company be sued but everyone who comes here gets trained by me so they're going to share a lot of the same values and, and how to operate business and how to make things right, even if you do screw up, that I do. And that's you know takes away a lot of that legal responsibility as well. And as you kind of go down the numbers, it just makes financial sense. That's not even the tax side of things, which I'm sure I'll get into on an episode on why it is so efficient tax on a tax basis to own your own company versus being a 1099 and running a team at another brokerage. All at the same time, all of these different things are going on. One thing that will 100% speed up this whole process is the current NAR lawsuits. Now, if you don't know, you should. But at the same time, a quick rundown is basically in three different states, there's lawsuits against NAR, Keller Williams, REMAX, massive franchises, anywhere basically stating that more or less that NAR... MLS is how this whole entire thing is set up. Is antitrust, it's anti-competition, and all these different things, and how we set up commissions isn't really the be- in the best interest of consumers. Now, in reality, I 100 feel that how it's set up now is in the best interest of consumers. And if you decouple commissions, so the seller's a- seller's agent is paid by the sellers, and the buyer's agent is paid by the buyer directly. It is horrible proposition for the consumer because then basically buyers are going to be forced into dual agency because no buyer's agents won't exist. And buyers will just call the listing agent and go direct to them. Yes, the cost may be lower to the seller, but at the same time, the buyer will lose out dramatically on value in terms of having someone represent their interests when it comes to negotiating the contract and walking them through the process. They will be completely alone outside of an attorney who may be charging a flat rate to close it, but has, yes, legal responsibility for the client, but not fiduciary responsibility like us agents do have. So decoupling the commissions is not good for the consumer. However, the practices of NAR, especially with everything going on right now with all the sexual harassment lawsuits and all this crazy stuff coming out now, does not look good. And the way MLS oper- MLSs operate is not fantastic either. Like I wanna give you an example. When you join your MLS, you are forced to join NAR. You cannot belong, at least in ours, belong to our MLS, without being a member of the National Association of Realtors. A common misconception is when you're a licensed agent, a real estate salesperson in a state, you are also a licensed realtor. That's not the case. National Association of Realtors is a trade union. You can join it, and technically you can join it if you want to, but as a brokerage, if I were to say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of NAR. I can't belong to my MLS and we can't put our listings in the MLS. That is anti-trust, if you ask me. And on top of that, If a seller comes to me and says, hey John, this just happened last year. Hey John, I completely get that it is in my best interest to put my home on the market and put it out for everyone. However, I want to keep things very private. I want you to be the only one showing it. And I want you to be the one to sell the house to a buyer. If I go to put that listing on the MLS, they do not allow you To put it out on any real estate websites. It is not allowed to be out and advertised other than your personal marketing. So when you put on the MLS, no other agency, it doesn't go on Zillow, doesn't go on realtor.com, doesn't go on homes.com, doesn't go on any brokerage websites, doesn't even sync back to my website. So you have to do all of your own marketing without any of those real estate portals or the MLS, even though the seller chose, they want you to be the listing and the selling agent. And again, That's even past giving them the advice of, hey, you should open it up to everyone. It's still their choice. But our MLS won't branch it out, won't let us advertise it. They only keep it so agents at our office can see it, and that is it. That in of itself is anti-competition. Because no matter what we all argue, we just talked about the virtual brokerages on the race to the bottom. If someone comes along with a model where they only represent the seller and there's no buyer's agent commission offered, and they want to take the whole thing, they should be able to let the market dictate that. That's okay. And if you're scared of that, then you need to get into a different industry because these lawsuits have a very good chance of going through in some capacity. You just saw anywhere settle for you know over $85 million. Everything that's going on in these states is gonna have a huge effect, not only in those states, but states nationwide after. So within three years, I give those lawsuits about 50% chance to go through. I'm just being honest. A lot of people say they don't, they don't have a chance. If they go through, you are going to need a personal brand. There's no doubt about it. Because you're going to see MLSs go, at least not in the capacity they're in now. They're going to go either under... Or they're not going to have nearly as much value because brokers won't have to put listings in the MLS. Everything will be kind of direct to websites. You'll end up just putting it into a list hub that will go to Zillow, Realtor.com, Homes.com, brokerage websites, and the MLS won't nearly matter as much. You're going to be in charge of the marketing and in charge of bringing the buyers in because the buyer's agent most likely will go by the wayside. Do I think that's great? No. But also I don't think the practices of NAR and the MLS is being antitrust and anti-competition have been great over the last 10, 15, 20, and honestly 30, 40 years. So there's definitely some reckoning that's gonna be happening. And if that happens, here's why your personal brand will matter more than anything in the future of real estate. Your personal brand will offer you the chance to go to a seller's table and say, hey, you one, you already know me, you watch all my content, you see me all day in and day out multiple times a day. But number two, I have 30,000 followers on Instagram. I have 20,000 on TikTok. Here's my engagement for my last seven listings. Here's how we sold it from this direct TikTok lead. Here's how we sold it on YouTube. And that agent is going to win the business because it's no longer like, hey, we're going to list your house. We're going to put in the MLS and then anyone can say sell it. The listing agent will matter dramatically more. It it always has been the better, better area of business. It's always better to be more leveraged in the listing side. However, if the buyer's agent goes to the wayside and the only thing left is listing agent, your personal brand is going to be needed for everything that you do. Because the seller themselves, it will not be advantageous to just list with their cousin who just started. It'll be advantageous to be with the agent who has the biggest personal brand and the biggest reach to sell their house. And that's just without a doubt what will happen if all that goes through. Now, again, the 50% chance where they end up settling... We add a few disclosures and things stay where they are. That is better for the consumer. But I think things are going to change in terms of how the MLS is, NAR, all of this operates no matter what. And I think that will lead to the personal brand still being heavier and still move a lot faster. A lot of things I talk about when it comes to personal brand, those things might not be for five years, but that's why I'm investing in it now, because that's what's next. The agent's personal brand being able to reach, have a huge audience, being more of a influencer that also sells real estate, unfortunately for us that have been in the industry for 15 years, no real estate like the back of our hand is going to be more powerful than just the real estate expert that doesn't put out any content. That's just where our industry is going. That's how millennials uh, shop and use services. And that's especially how Gen Z will. And on top of that, when Gen Alpha comes into play, these things are not that far off, guys. You have to start thinking about them. You can't just worry about your business today. You have to be thinking about how am I going to be the agent, the expert, the realtor, the influencer, the content creator of choice when it comes down the pipeline in five years. Because the other opportunity with being that personal brand of choice is a simple fact that you will be able to make money in several different ways. This is what I'm most excited about. As someone for 15 years who made my entire livelihood off of 100% commission, now you can have several different outlets. You can have a podcast, you could have a coaching business, you could have brand deals, you can make money off creator funds, you could have an Amazon storefront, you could do all these different things to make money as an agent now and as a quasi-influencer, where five years ago that just simply didn't exist. But now as an agent, you're going to be the agent of choice if you do all those things. You're going to pull real estate clients from some of the influencing you do, from some of the brand deals you do. The creator fund is going to pay for your marketing to go back into your real estate business. Your podcast is going to bring you to an audience across the world. Your coaching business on how you've established yourself in business or growing your business is going to be money you can put back into your business. All of these things are going to help you. However, you have to start somewhere. And- I hope over this episode you've gotten a clear picture of where this industry has been, where it is right now, where it is going, and why it is so damn important for you to start investing in yourself. doesn't need to be today where you have this massive personal brand, but picture out what three years from now looks like, or even where you will be September of 2024 if you started now on developing your personal brand. Put up some content, make it consistent, and you will watch everything in your life start to grow.